Hello, everyone. Hi, my name is Luke John Louis, the host of the Deep Voice Man Show. Uh, thanks uh, for joining us today. Uh, we have a treat in store for you guys. Our guest is Rita Ernst, and uh, she is a business coach who is on a mission to make business ownership easier. Uh, she is the CEO and founder of Ignite Your Extraordinary. Uh, and as a business goals coach, she helps entrepreneurs make dramatic progress in achieving their revenue targets. Uh, so she's gotten amazing results for her clients. Uh, for one consumer service firm, um, in 90 days, she helped them to increase uh, their productivity, uh, bumped it up 1,000 billable hours per week uh, with an increase, a 30% increase in sales. Uh, so in total, she bumped bumped them up or helped them improve up to 52,000 uh, extra billable hours uh, uh, a year, which is amazing. And she helped to increase the uh, staff energy. Um, so uh, we are very fortunate to have her here. And uh, she's a very busy woman, so she was able to carve out some time in her packed schedule to sit down and have a chat with us. So we are very blessed. So thank you so much, Rita, for coming on. I guess to start off, can you tell us about your background and how you first gravitated towards doing what you do today? Hello, Luke. Thanks for welcoming me to the show. Um, I'm happy to do that. I have been basically a business coach my entire career. So I studied industrial and organizational psychology. I have a master's in math, and that is all about the application of psychology and human behavior in the workplace. So this has been my love, my passion, and my entire career. I just come back to it over and over and over again because it's the place where I'm the most happy. Wow. That's amazing. So you've known what you wanted to get into um, at sort of like at a young age, which is great, and that's amazing. You, you had studied the industrial psychology, and – to be honest, I wasn't too sure what industrial psychology meant, so thank you so much for explaining that. <laughs> and it's interesting. You were a business coach your entire career. So many people do some, do other stuff first, and then they become a business coach. But you kind of um, jumped right into it and started working in business coaching. So you've been doing this a while, I'm sure. And so that's amazing. And obviously business coaching is a profession that uh, I think is set to explode so I think you're positioned well as a business coach who has lots of experience and whatnot. And so I'm sure you've been helping a lot of folks. I'm curious. Now, obviously, you know, we got hit with, you know what, the pandemic and whatnot. And how would you describe the current state of business and entrepreneurialism? And what challenges, if any, has the pandemic posed? That's a really important question. I've been reading a lot, and in fact, I – I just did a workshop with a group on this very topic. Um, there's a, a lot of information out today that tells us that women especially have completely shifted as a result of this pandemic and trying to balance their family responsibilities and their work responsibilities. So more women than ever have dropped out of the traditional work force, and they have turned to their side hustle for their primary income, or they have taken their skill set, um, maybe it's web design or um, 
are marketing and they've hung out their shingle and started their own business, uh, but they are they are they have left. They have left the building mm. when it comes right. to corporate positions, and they are out making it on their own because they're also um, up until recently they've been the teacher in the classroom, right, helping their kids get through NDI mm-hmm. uh, and responsibilities for home and family and shopping and cooking and all of those things got more stressful during the pandemic and a lot of women just decided something had to give and what they gave up was that corporate position. Wow. That's amazing. That's an incredible trend. Um, A lot of women are kind of leaving the rat race or the nine to five world and becoming entrepreneurs, perhaps starting uh, home-based businesses or side hustles. Uh, so they can spend time, spend more time with the family. I, I love it. Um, and, you know, personally, I have my own side hustle and whatnot and hoping to have success with that. <laughs> and uh, so I totally can understand that. And because the children, obviously being there for the children is, is helping to motivate them. And I guess for many of these women, it's serving as their, their why, so to speak. And uh, so I think that's a, an amazing trend. Um, I don't see it uh, slowing down or whatnot. And they're, so they're hanging out their shingle. That's great. Um, I'm curious. Uh, obviously, there'll be a world where the pandemic uh, goes away, and hopefully sooner rather than later with the ramped up uh, you know, vaccine distribution. Uh, I'm curious, where do you see things in the future, and where do you see yourself in that future? Well, there is a recent study released by Mercer, and which is a huge consulting firm that, uh, you know, large Fortune 100 companies pay to do research and tell them the trends. And when it comes to the workplace, what they are seeing is that the flexibility that we've adapted to in this pandemic is going to stay around, and it's expected. And it shouldn't be surprising if you look at our population trends. So, I think it was around 2017, millennials became the largest portion of the workforce around the globe. And mm. we know that their expectations are different, right? They, they care about social values. They see themselves having three or four careers in their lifetime. They're, they're not mm. their grandparents' generation by any stretch when it comes to their expectations of career and workplace and how those things play out. And so now they are the, they're the powerhouse, right? Mm. They are running those businesses. They are running our economy. And they are willing to stand up for what they want. And they are willing mm. to walk away if they don't get it. And mm. so um, the pandemic has just proven what they've always said. Don't look at how many hours I'm sitting in the chair. That tells you nothing about who I am or what I can do. Mm. Um, give me the flexibility. I'll work when I need to work. I'll, I'll make it happen. You know, the interesting thing from that Mercer study is that productivity did not decrease in general. That's not to say some companies didn't have a blip about that, but in general across business, if anything, people were reported to have increased their productivity mm. during this pandemic time. So people are more distracted. We just talked about that, more demands, all of those things that are happening. And yet when it came to business and getting it done, people were able to focus and make it happen. And Mm. so some of those rules are going to get rewritten about how we think about 40, 50, 60-hour work weeks 
and expectations of getting into the office before your boss and not leaving till after your boss has left and those all those mm. old things that um, I, 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 of course, was taught coming into the, the workforce, and you probably were as well, Luke. They're go- those are gone. Those are blown mm. away, and we mm. are writing a new way forward. And what I'm telling my clients and the people that and when I do speaking engagements is we have to stop looking backwards. Backward isn't going to tell us what we need to know. Everything has shifted. It's a new day, and you have to look forward. You have to take risk, and you have to be willing to fail up because you cannot just assume that you can go back to whatever worked for you pre-pandemic. Consumers aren't even in the same space. They're not buying in the same way. They're not shopping in the same way. Everything has shifted, and some things will begin to look more like they used to. What that timeline mm. looks like is uncertain at this moment. Mm. But holding on to this idea that you're going to step backwards to something is mm. is like waiting for Godot. <laughs> it's just mm. not going to happen, yeah. and it's not going to yeah. be the path to success. Mm. Wow. Thank you so much for that. And, um, I'm, I'm a – millennial myself and uh so proud to be part of this generation and uh i totally can get that uh that obviously uh we as millennials we do have three or four careers or more <laughs> so there I, I there is something to that i think that survey by mercer was correct and obviously people want that flexibility of course um you mentioned that productivity has gone up um which is amazing uh, during this time, and it's interesting how the rules are being rewritten. Obviously, there's a new normal, so to speak, um, no looking backwards and whatnot. Um, it's interesting. So obviously, as the pandemic goes away, a lot of these changes that we've seen will be will become permanent. Um, people wanting to work from home and not, you know, and having the flexibility to work when they have to or when they want to and not doing that set rigid clock structure of, you know, nine to five or whatnot uh, in in the seat or in the desk. And so I guess, you know, we have to kind of get used to this new normal. That's amazing. Um, Thank you so much for that. And um, obviously uh, there's going to be an entrepreneurial explosion. And my understanding is that uh, business coaching is a field that's set to go up with it uh, and expand. So, uh, I, I believe the number of business coaches might double between uh, by the end of the year, which is crazy. Uh, but I'm curious, what would you say to someone who kind of rolls their eyes at the idea of a business coach, the idea that an entrepreneur would pay someone money to advise them uh, and whatnot, and is somewhat skeptical and cynical about this, the whole industry? Um, what would you say to them? Before I answer that question, I just want to jump into the earlier point that you made about the explosion of business coaches, because I just read an article um, the end of last week that was talking about um, side hustle businesses, you know, Mm. ways that you can earn, um, you know, six figures just with a side hustle business and the the Mm. biggest business to get into. And on the list was business coaching, which which, um, just sort of, shocked me, chagrined me, and at the same time, um, 
sort of was like, oh, wow, my field is, is finally getting some notoriety <laughs> that it maybe hasn't seen before. <laughs> but I thought, right. it, I thought that that was interesting that that's what's being recommended and that, um, that your experience is your expertise and you can go to the International Coaching Federation and get your, among many places, get your coaching certificate and mm. um, you too can make six figures. And um, so... <laughs> yeah, I, I I had to chuckle, but you know I'm I'm sure there I'm sure there are people way smarter than me that that, that make that happen every day. Um, mm. So there is going to be an even greater proliferation than there already is of coaches, and um, I think that that adds to why people are dubious at times about the need for coaching. We're working mm. against some very basic things about human condition. One being that most of the time people only change what they're doing if, if it, they're in enough pain. Mm. So coaching is all about change. So you, if you don't want to hire a coach and don't want to spend money on that if you're not serious about mm. change. And because it, it's, it's like a gym membership. <laughs> at the beginning of the year, you have all of these great ideas about the new you for the new year, right? And mm-hmm. you go stock up your fridge with all this healthy food and you buy your gym membership. And mm-hmm. when you look at the trends, as early as, um, as Valentine's Day, people are back to their old eating habits. They're not going to the yeah. gym as much. And, and by March, that, that gym membership is completely forgotten about. And yeah. you're just paying the bill and, and not going, right? Mm. So um, people who spend money on a coach really need to be serious about wanting to change. And part of what I do is I offer a free first coaching session to any potential client because it's an opportunity for us to figure out a few things together. Um, mm. As with any important business relationship, you have to like your business coach. Yeah. You, have to, you have to connect with that person. So we need to figure out whether or not we, we connect, whether you mm. trust what, who I am and how I show up, whether I, I work well for you. Um, on my side, I'm trying to assess where your readiness for change is. I often tell people that um, they should do X, Y, or Z before they come back to me for coaching. Not everybody's ready to to take that first step. And as I jokingly tell people at trade shows all the time, when you put the word extraordinary in your name, it's really important that you have cut clients who are talking about those extraordinary results, having them say things like, oh, Rita was nice. It was good. You know, I enjoyed talking with her. That's not good. <laughs> That's yeah. not the brand, right? That's not yeah. the brand. So I need to make sure that I am connecting with and working with people who are going to show the dramatic shift and change that we associate with that word extraordinary. Mm. Um, and it's okay if you're not ready for that. You know, it's okay to need to do other work. But first, we even have to recognize and be willing to change. Secondly, we have to ask for help. And some people really struggle with asking for help. And they think that they should figure it out themselves. And here's the interesting thing about that, Luke. 
I believe mm-hmm. that all of the knowledge and capability does reside in that business owner. Mm-hmm. And that's my model for coaching. I think I work with brilliant people who've, who've built amazing businesses, and they know what is what. Mm-hmm. The problem is simply that with so many things competing for our share of, of mind space, it becomes difficult to sort through all of that and mm. to have perspective. So mm. it is, I've, I've worked in eight industries now because I just added construction <laughs> industry mm. to my list wow. um, last year. And it's not that I know those industries inside and out. I am not McKinsey and Company. I am not Bain and Company. I, I, I don't have a million of newly minted MBAs who are researching and saying, here are the best practices that you need to implement from your industry. And by the way, I worked in Fortune 100 companies where we pay for those services, and it never worked that well anyway because that's just not how change works. Mm. But what I do know is that you as a business owner, you got to where you got, you've gotten to because you're smart and you're capable, and you just mm. need fresh perspective. And there is something magical that happens mm. when we start talking out loud together mm. about the business that you cannot replicate just sitting and thinking about it on your own. Mm. You cannot replicate the power of that conversation. And the other thing a coach, a really good coach is going to do for you is mm-hmm. ask you questions that help you deconstruct all of that swirl of conversation and ideas that are going on in your head that just mm-hmm. look like a massive confusion every time you try to untangle it and help mm-hmm. you begin to break that down in a way that you can find clarity in your own thoughts. Mm. Wow. That's amazing. And thank you so much for kind of breaking it down and, and, and giving me clarity on this. It's interesting how, um, you know, they have it inside them already, but there's a lot of stuff going on. You help them kind of sort it out, so to speak. It, it, uh, it reminds me of the movie The Wizard of Oz where, you know, the lion, the scarecrow, all these characters, Everything they wanted, they had already, so to speak. <laughs> you know, at the, they right. out at the end of the movie. <laughs> so uh, I, I guess you kind of show them. Uh, you're that Oz character that, uh, hey, you know, they already know sort of what to do or have the ideas, but you help them point it out. You sort it out or, and guide them, so to speak. And you, you mentioned um, about the New Year's resolutions or whatnot, um, and I think the reason why a lot of people fail to New Year's, with New Year's resolutions is because there's no, there's a lack of accountability, right? But as a coach, um, you can provide that accountability and whatnot. And you know, no one holds you accountable like a human being can. You know, a, a magazine article can't, a, a book can't, uh, a blog uh, or a blog or social media post can't. But a living, breathing human being who knows what he or she is talking about can, can definitely hold you accountable. And, you know, but you also talked about how it's becoming kind of trendy, so to speak, to become a business coach. Now, obviously, there's a low barrier to entry, um, but there is a way to get certified and whatnot. But you've been a business coach your whole career. So you started off, 
business coaching before it was cool, so to speak, <laughs> you know, which yeah. is amazing. Yeah. You were <laughs> you were ahead of the trend, so to speak. And to work in eight industries um, and, and whatnot is amazing. And, and you set the bar very high because obviously you have extraordinary, uh, the word extraordinary in, in, is in the title and the name of your firm. So <laughs> you sort of have to, uh, with the bar set high, you have to clear that bar, which you do, of course, for your clients and you get them amazing results. And But it's interesting because obviously as a coach, you can also give that outsider perspective because, you know, sometimes people, business owners may miss the forest for the trees, but since you're coming in from the outside looking at things objectively, um, you can give them that, that kind of, you know, that new perspective and you can tell them the truth because oftentimes with the uh, self-employed people, they may have employees who may be, or they may be surrounded by, you know, yes men and women who may not want to say things to upset the person who signs their paycheck, so to speak. So <laughs> you don't really necessarily have that issue as a business coach. And so I think that's amazing. And um, so I'm curious. Now, obviously, um, you, we touched on this, you and I, that there are so many coaches out there. Uh, there's a low barrier to entry and whatnot. And, uh, you know, it, I, I'm just curious, what exactly is your competitive advantage as a coach? What kind of differentiates you, uh, may make you better than some of the others, so to speak? Well, the thing that my clients appreciate the most about me is that, yes, I'm, I'm doing coaching, which is a skill, right? Anybody can learn that skill, how to ask meaningful questions, how to open up and expand the conversation, when to begin to narrow that down and distill that down. into That's a skill set. And it's a skill set even leaders should be developing. You should be coaching your employees, not just managing Mm -hmm. your employees. Because coaching is about building the capability of other people, right, so that they're not Mm -hmm. dependent upon you. That's the whole purpose of coaching. And I embrace that wholeheartedly. So a coach should also be an accelerator, right? They should be helping you untangle this this thinking and get your clarity very quickly and move forward. And, And that is something that I can do from the very first conversation. So when my clients... When we start our work, there, there are two things that they are super excited about. The first thing that they're super excited about is that they are committing time to work on their business, not just in their business. Mm-hmm. And they, are, they come ready to, to do that. But I hear that over and over and over again from, from clients, that that value of spending time, dedicating time to work mm-hmm. on their business with me is really important to them. And because it's important to them, they come already thinking. You know, I, I know that I've got a great client. When we sat down in the first meeting and they pull out mm-hmm. a sheet of paper and they said, I, I've been thinking about this. I've got notes. I've got to tell you what I've been thinking about, right? They're in wow. it. They're, they're mm-hmm. in it and they're ready to go. So mm-hmm. they see my commitment. They match that commitment. And then what I bring that um, somebody who was 
and a, a, somebody who's a reformed accountant who doesn't want to do numbers anymore and wants to be a coach. What yeah. I have is I have this depth of experience in organizational psychology. So I understand human behavior. I understand human motivation. I understand how we learn. I understand how we communicate. I, I even taught that. I taught classes in organization behavior and psychology at, at the university level. So I know this in a very deep way. I understand the patterns that happen because we are human. And, uh, and I can put ideas into that context so that they either have more stickiness, if that's what we're looking for, so that people hold on to them and, and understand them and utilize them more. And also, in many cases, to help people let go of things, to let go of resentment, to let go of anger, to let go of fear, to put, put what is emotionally happening and making things feel so difficult into a context that they can understand and not be so intimidated or overwhelmed mm. by it mm. and be able to respond to it, to that emotion in a way that is productive. Mm. Wow, that's amazing. Um, definitely, thank you so much, and it's interesting um, because obviously you've studied psychology, so you understand human nature, um, what drives human beings and how they make their decisions and whatnot. And I think that's uh, an incredible element, uh, obviously, to coaching and whatnot. And you talked about how you're committed to your clients, and they sort of match that commitment. They, they mirror it. They're ready to go, and they, you know, they do their assignments, and they come ready. And, and that's amazing. And obviously, you talked a lot about how business coaching is a skill that's learnable and whatnot. Uh, but this is something that you've been doing for a while now and, 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 and helping um, folks. And so you have that depth of experience and whatnot. And so it, you, you mentioned the word accelerator, which I think is incredible. <laughs> and, uh, but obviously you get amazing results for your clients. Um, I had talked about that previous example of the consumer service firm, how they were able to increase sales and revenue 30%. Um, which is amazing and whatnot. And so uh, definitely thank you so much for that. And I'm, I'm curious, um, obviously you've helped out a lot of folks and clients. Can you tell us any of the most um, moving or entertaining stories from your career? I would love to share, uh, for me, what was a, a very story from, from last year. Um, as we came to the middle of the year, uh, if you remember early on, this shift in how we were living our lives was just going to be a couple of weeks, right? We're just going to, mm-hmm. you know, stay safe at home. It was going to be a couple of weeks that turned into a couple of months. And, mm-hmm. um, and if you were one of those people that felt trapped at home, then you probably also felt a little bit jealous of those designated um, essential worker businesses <laughs> that were allowed to, you know, continue to go in and do things day in, day out. Mm. But, um, and one of those essential worker areas was construction. 
And this is how I ended up working with this construction firm. So I participated last year as a recurring guest on a call-in radio show mm-hmm. uh, in our, my local community that is a, on a, an iHeart station. And mm-hmm. so I was on the program that night talking with Todd Metter, the, um, the primary person in the show, and we got a call from a gentleman who owned a construction business. And you could just hear it from the first words. I mean, he just, he was at his wit's end. He was exhausted. You could hear the exhaustion in his voice. And he owns a very small business. Um, He has eight or nine employees. But he feels like he is failing them. Because they're in the middle of this pandemic, essential workers, they have jobs to do all over the eastern United States, and they're trying to travel when there are no bathrooms, there are no mm. fast food restaurants open. Mm. It, you know, I mean, just imagine. Imagine mm. the, the difficult. So, so he's sending his guys out there week after week after week. And then, oh, by the way, all the social justice movement exploded. And I'm in Louisville, Kentucky, Brianna Taylor's home. And this business is a local business, and it it was ugly. If you saw it on the news, it it was ugly for all the right reasons mm-hmm. in Louisville, Kentucky. So now he's got all of these downtown local businesses in all the way up to Indianapolis, Detroit, calling him. They need their windows boarded up. They need glass replaced. Wow! <laughs> you know? Wow! So he's he's. He's got all of these commitments, and then he's got all of these emergency calls, and he's, mm. he and his team, they're trying to do everything that they can do to, mm. to match that demand. So it's, it's the fall, and he's like, i got to do something for my guys. i got to have a meeting or something, but mm. I, I just need help. I just don't know what else to do. I'm so exhausted. Mm. I don't even know where to go from here. Mm. And I was able to say, I got you. It's okay. Like, Mm. I got you. (laughs) We're going to get through this meeting together. I got you. So I ended up signing a contract to do work with his firm. We got all the employees together in this meeting, finally, that he wanted to do, which was very hard to do because there was so much demand. Like, they just – and he's he's like a stand-up guy, right? I mean, he's the kind of business Mm. owner I love. His word Mm. is his boss. You know, if he's got a loyal customer that comes to him and says, hey, man, I need you, he doesn't want to say, hey, sorry, I, I, I can't help you. <laughs> he right. wants to move right. heaven and earth to help his loyal customer, right? I mean, just the kind of stand-up mm-hmm. person, business owner that that I want to be for my customers. So so he and mm-hmm. I, we're grooving in this, this vein of commitment that we have around our businesses. And so we mm-hmm. get his group together. And I have him give the origin story of the business. They, they've been mm. in business about eight years at this point. Mm. And he literally, um, he did this work for another company, lost his job, and mm. slept in his truck and built his business bootstrapped up, right, from the ground wow. up. And he's telling his origin story to, to, his, to his employee group. And they all have heard bits and pieces of it. But, you know, it's really powerful when you just uninterrupted start to finish. 
talk about how you've built this company and, and the people that, that are now in the room that you've invited in and how they've added to your company and made it a better place. And then we spent some time talking about the values that, uh, that underpin this company, the values that he brings to it as the mm-hmm. owner and the values that they espouse. And we captured those on the walls and um, flip charts. Mm-hmm. And then we did a little exercise where we looked at, like, which of these values do we do really easily? Which of these values do we tend to ignore? And which of these mm-hmm. values are the most important ones going forward? Mm-hmm. And everybody participated in looking at and talking about those values and what mattered to them about mm-hmm. who they were as a company. Mm-hmm. And it, it coalesced very, very quickly and easily into some key things mm-hmm. that were important about how they wanted to be as a business, but where they were letting themselves down. Right. Because the, the truth is every employee is your business. Mm-hmm. Business is people. Mm-hmm. Even if you're making a product, it's still about the people in the business. And the people right. in the business choose to make that business who it is every day they show up at work. Mm. So how does everybody show up with shared purpose mm. in what they're creating in that business? And so we talked about that. And they had some very specific things that they wanted to fix in the business. It's a small company, right? Right. So nobody, there's no talk about we need a project plan and we need to know who's going to own what. They're, they're like, okay, we can do this, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. So next week I check in. Oh, things are great. We started this. And you know what? They didn't need a project plan. They didn't need assignments. They just started showing up mm-hmm. and making it happen. One little change at a time. And that one little change, right, that magnified, mm-hmm. got more people on board, right? So, so all of a sudden, we went from having this kind of toilet bowl spiral of despair, mm-hmm. right, where everybody is, is like, oh, I just need a break, all oh, these things are horrible, to this empowered mm-hmm. upward spiral of, of, I got this. I can do this. We, we can have what we want. And they didn't need to talk about it. They didn't need to over-process it. They didn't let the how get in the way of just showing up and doing it. And, and that's where so many com- large companies hide. And it's why I love working with small businesses because there's no place to hide. In big companies, we hide behind meetings. We hide behind project plans. We hide behind our tools um, as a way of avoiding change that we don't want. But Mm. this team, they named what they wanted. They looked each other in the eye and said, yeah, I'm with you, I'm with you, I'm with you. And they just started making it happen. It was such a beautiful moment, Luke. It was just such a beautiful moment. And I got off that call with that business owner and heard what was happening just as a result of one simple meeting where we got mm. reconnected to the why mm. of that company. Mm. Wow. That's amazing. And Yeah, it was a beautiful wow. moment. 
Yeah, that's an incredible and story. And thank they're you. still going strong, still doing great. Wow, that's amazing. And, and, and uh, thank you for that beautiful story. And I have to admit, um, when I was laid off last year, I don't think I was too jealous of essential workers, but definitely uh, appreciated the work they did. <laughs> and it's interesting. Um, with this construction firm, uh, you know, obviously I guess the gentleman was sort of suffering from what they called burnout and whatnot. He was really stressed out and whatnot. But uh, they had that employee meeting, and they got together. He spoke of his origin story, which seems amazing and inspiring, um, <laughs> uh, to actually, you know, to bootstrap his firm, whatnot, and to start from scratch, but he and, and to make it happen. So those kind of stories uh, from entrepreneurs always impress and inspire me, and I'm sure inspired the team. And during that meeting, you know, people mentioned things and, you know, they talked about what they thought they needed. But what it is is that they reconnected around their why, so to speak, and they were inspired by their leader, um, which is incredible. And it's interesting that you were able to come into this firm and make a big difference. And you talked about how big results can come from little changes because they thought they needed a big overhaul of their project plan. But just little tweaks here and there led to big results. Um, you find this to be very common in many organizations. And so, and you talked a lot about how you like to work with small businesses because there's nowhere to hide, so to speak. Uh, at, with big businesses, there's much more. There's more hiding places. <laughs> and more hiding so, places and more hidden agendas. <laughs> okay, and hidden agendas. But with small businesses, everything's out in the open, so to speak. So, um, you know, everyone has to sort of carry their own weight for the, for the ship to stay afloat. So um, it's interesting. Now, you know, you, know the, you reached out to this gentleman, or I believe he reached out to you, and you told him that, you know, you mentioned the words got you, that you got him. And, you know, obviously with his story, you definitely had his back. And I think that was a great thing to do, to have that meeting and, and to sort of hash it out and whatnot. And he seems like the business owner that puts customers first, and that's the best way to do it, so to speak. And, um, and he seems like an incredible leader. Um, he was able to have the team reconnect and have that around their why and have that bond, have that camaraderie, so to speak. Um, so I think that's, that is amazing and whatnot. And um, so – Definitely. I wanted to thank you so much for that incredible story. Um, and the, the fact that he's doing well even now to this day is, is great and whatnot. And I'm, I'm curious, um, obviously, um, we, the, you, both you and I, we actually met um, through networking. Um, I think I was introduced to you by someone else that I met through LinkedIn and whatnot, uh, which is amazing. And they say that for a lot of firms, they want to get to the point where they um, mostly or solely rely on referrals, and obviously networking can help with that. And it's not just for entrepreneurs, but for job hunters as well, you know, people who are unemployed looking for work or who have a job but want a better job or realizing no job is secure and they, they still have to find out what's going on in the job market. Um, what networking advice would you give to folks? I think the first and most important thing is to step into networking 
from a giver perspective instead of a taker perspective. If, if you can shift that mindset piece from the get-go, you're going to have a much better experience. Mm. And, and it takes intention to do that, to let go of what you want and say, I'm going to put what I want or need on the back burner, and I'm going to just reach out, listen, and focus on what do other people need? How can I show up and add value for somebody else? And then after I've found ways to do that, how can I shift into what I need, what I'm looking for? And a lot of times, as you have experienced, Luke, we don't have to ask because once we've shown up and Mm. given and added value, people reciprocate, right? Mm. They come back and, and offer, what can I do for you? What, how can I help you? Um, so I think that, you know, come with a spirit of, of giving and building community with people and pay attention to your bank account. If you're taking more than you're putting in, um, your relationship is going to be out of balance and it's Mm. going to impact how people experience and respond to you. Right. So you want to pay attention to that bank account. And then I think you, once you build up that bank account, it's really easy to ask for what you need. If you mm-hmm. are looking for help, there was a, a young woman on LinkedIn recently that um, was, she had the open for work swag on her, um, on her image, and she posted and said, looking for feedback, do you, do you use a, co- a cover letter, yes or no? Mm. And I wrote back to her and said, absolutely, 100%. That's your moment to really customize to that job and that employer how you fit into their culture in that position very specifically. Don't give up mm. that opportunity. Like, don't use a generic cover letter. Make it very, very, every cover letter should be customized. And um, there's maybe 20% in a cover letter that's not. And she was like, wow, that's fantastic. Thank you, you know, for sharing that. So she was able to ask for help, for guidance that she needed. It was nothing big for me to share my experience. I've spent a lot of years in HR. I've read a lot of resumes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I've, I've, I've seen, seen how those things work. And for me to, to take a few minutes and share that back cost me nothing, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, so if down the road I'm looking for feedback, I put a poll out or I ask for something, chances are she's going to respond to that. I could even, if I wanted to, in that moment, I could go back to her and say, I'm glad you found my advice helpful. Do you mind doing a skills rating for me on my profile? Or do you mind, or I can take her her verbiage and I can put it in that little ask for a recommendation box, right? And I can send it back to her and say, I love that you said this about me. Do you mind tweaking this and, and posting it on my recommendation. So you get to a place where you can create a very dynamic give and take 
relationship. Mm-hmm. But it's right. important that you pay attention to the bank account if you want to have that networking experience have longitude and quality to it. Mm. Wow. Thank you so much for that incredible advice. And you talked a lot about um, being a giver, having that intention. And it's interesting because I actually read a book called Go Giver by Bob Berg, which is amazing, recommended to everyone. Um, Yeah, yeah, I love that book. That's a really good one. Yes. And um, so – the idea that um, when you give, you, you're basically participating in that law of reciprocity. Um, you're engaging it, which I, when, you, you know, when you add value to someone else, you provide value to others. And it's one of the reasons why I started um, the podcast. I got the idea from it from reading books by Steve Gordon that it helps you to, you know, to start relationships by providing value and whatnot. And uh, so, and I believe that it's been been helping me out a lot so far. <laughs> and uh, so, and it's interesting. And I love the example you gave of helping the woman who uh, needed assistance with her cover letter. And you know, you obviously have worked in HR and know a lot about the job hunting process and whatnot. So, and you gave this woman solid advice, and it didn't cost you anything. And, you know, somewhere down the line it may come back to you and whatnot. And so it's, um, it's, it's interesting how so many people have it so backwards. They're, obviously they're, they're more interested in what, what, you know, what can happen for them and being more of a taker. But the magic happens when you start giving. And, it, and you know, it's, it's interesting how so many people have it wrong. And, you know, I go to networking events and people are sort of, selling on the, the first handshake and <laughs> uh, not quite how you do it, so to speak, um, when it comes to networking. And, uh, but, it, you know, obviously it's about giving and providing value and whatnot. And, and, and it, you give without any necessary urge to get anything in return. Um, and it's so hard for many people to understand that and to do that uh, you know, even myself, I'm, I don't think I'm there yet in terms of being a go-giver, but I'm trying to get there and making strides all the time, so to speak. And, you know, because networking is so important and you want to do it right. As they say, your, your network is your net worth. Um, it's, so, it's corny, but it's so true. <laughs> and uh, I came up with one myself. The more you network, the luckier you get. And I, I totally believe that to be true. I got that from the saying, the harder you work, the luckier you get. But then the size kind of switch it around. Um, so definitely um, networking is so key. And, um, and thank you so much for sharing that advice. Um, now, you, you touched on this earlier. Obviously, um, in, in, uh, in society, uh, we, there are some you know, social ills here and there, things like racism, sexism, homophobia, and whatnot. Um, I'm curious, have you ever experienced uh, sexism or discrimination on your journey? Um, not, oh, I wouldn't say really overt um, sexism or discrimination. Um, you know, it's interesting. I talk about this a lot right now because the, the social justice movement last year really as, as a as a Gen X person, when I came out of high school and through my college experience in um, 
a lot of corporations, the one I worked for, they were doing diversity training and stuff. Mm. And, and I thought, um, you know, we're moving past this. Like, women have their rights. Blacks have their rights. Like, we're moving beyond this. Mm-hmm. We don't care about color. We don't care about gender. We don't care about these things. And, you know, just like, like the doe-eyed, you know, graduate mm-hmm. who, who, who thinks that society has really evolved. And so mm-hmm. to see in, in America so blatantly um, where our society has not evolved to mm-hmm. has, has, you know, really set me back on my heels a little bit. But, you know, what I experienced was nothing compared to what so many people have. I have a, a very good friend that I worked with who's an African-American female who talks all the time about not feeling like she could bring her whole self into any mm. job, I've never felt that. Mm. I, I, I've brought my whole self and had people be like, whoa, you're too much. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You know, I'm kind of a rebel when it go, goes to those things. I, I work for a company that, I kid you not, this was in, in, the, in the year like 2000. This was happening in the, in the early 2000s. And I've, I've heard through the grapevine it's still sort of happen, happening even now. But um, that they required us to attend Dress for Success, where they told you how to highlight your hair, what the length of your wow. hair should be, what kind of jewelry you should wear, um, why women should be in dresses and not pants. Um, what the line should be, you know, from your shoe to your waist, you know, to, I mean, just crazy. Makeup, how to, how to do your makeup. Men should be in coupling, you know, what kind of, kind of tie. Mm. I mean, but the, but the stuff for women was way worse than the stuff for men. It just, like, I kid you not, it was a week-long torturous program. Wow. And I was in there, like, nails on the chalkboard every effing day. I wow. just could not stand it. And I didn't, it wasn't too long after that that I left that company. But I kept thinking to myself, you have a diversity and inclusion department. Mm. And you, HR, are sponsoring this nonsense. Like, if you can't get past whether my highlights are right in my hair or whether I am wearing the right style of jewelry, how are you telling me you're getting past black skin, Mm. black hair? Like, I couldn't buy into it, right? I could not buy into it whatsoever. I was just like, this is such nonsense. Like, (laughs) talk about emphasizing the wrong syllable. Mm. Wow. <laughs> you know, emphasize the syllable, the wrong syllable. I mean, like, that, that was just so blatant, so blatant to me. Um, but I had the privilege of being white. And I, and, and you know, if, if there was a passing grade for that course, I didn't get it. Because I refused to follow the rules. 
Wow. I refused to do, like, I didn't show up in my statement necklace that I rushed off to Macy's to buy because I was supposed to have a statement, you know, necklace for my final presentation day. I showed up in my little piece of jewelry that my husband had given me that I loved. (laughs) And I had statement jewelry. I had expensive statement jewelry my husband had bought for me, but I wouldn't wear it, you know. So, um, you know, there's, there's all kinds of ways. That, that misogyny and sexism and racism and that whole microaggression thing is, is mm. very real. And what I can say is I was privileged enough as a white woman. I, I worked with these two guys um, that um, I, I, was the, um, I was the change management coach, right? Mm-hmm. So these guys would, um, they, they were the client-facing people inside of, of the firm. And so they would go talk to the business leader and talk about the change that was going on, and then they would bring me in as the subject matter expert to talk about, okay, how, you know, how do you and your leadership team manage this change process for your, for your workforce? Mm-hmm. And the problem was I was never allowed to go have that conversation alone. And I, and I finally looked at these guys one day, and I said, you know, I respect you both, but I feel like I'm the little sister in this relationship. Wow. You have to be there with the client to oversee this relationship that, that you're not giving me equal trust back. And this just didn't work for me. Like, I, 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 I am more than capable of meeting with the, the head of finance and talking about how to do the change management process. You're not adding any value in this conversation. So I can keep you informed if you want to, but what's your role here? Because right now I just feel like you're gatekeeping me. Wow. And we could have that conversation, right? And, and it, it could be a respectful conversation, but that's my white privilege showing. Because I guarantee you that the people that worked with me that were not white didn't feel like they could have that conversation, mm-hmm. for sure. You know, so, so, so yes. Um, you know what? Humans are messy, messy. Humans aren't always good. Humans make lots of bad choices. Um, and I've, I've experienced that. But, but not to the place where I felt shut down. Wow. As an individual, so I'm not gonna. I don't dwell. I don't spend time there, but I don't have to because my privilege protects me. And you know, when I had enough, I just said I'm not going back to corporate, and I started my own business. That's amazing, and that's incredible. And thank you so much uh, for sharing that. And you know, I'm so happy that you you stood up for yourself, and you were that quote unquote rebel, so to speak. And that's amazing. And so, uh, you know, obviously, uh, hopefully things have changed with that, with the company and, and perhaps they're not doing that anymore. <laughs> I hope so. Um, with the, obviously without, you know, recommending with certain highlights and jewelry, just, wow, that's, that's, uh, I didn't even think that kind of thing went on. Um, so I'm right. Saying, uh, I, I came from San Francisco, right? So I came to this company 
Um, I left the Bay Area. I was working on the coast, and I came to this company. And, I mean, it was like an episode of The Twilight Zone, Luke. I mean, I was just like. Yeah. I I, I mean, I really, it really did, it really messed with my head, like a Twilight Zone episode. It was just crazy. (laughs) I was just like, oh, my God, where am I? What era is this? Wow. It's it's interesting. Um, it also reminds me of the TV show Mad Max uh, or Mad Men, excuse me. And <laughs> I don't know if you ever watched it. Uh, it was it was like about yeah. sexism in the like seventies, this advertising company. And so it's interesting. Wow. So uh, hopefully that has changed. Um, but you left that corporate world to start your own business and to to be a coach, which is amazing. And uh, I, I find similarity between your story and mine because certain things I don't like about being in the rat race, and so to speak, and I'm trying to do my own side hustle. So, um, so I'm glad that you, you were able to you know, leave that, uh, <laughs> that world and whatnot. And um, so definitely I want to, to thank you for your story. Now, obviously, there's been a lot of progress that's been made, um, no matter where a person sits on the you know, political Spectrum, you know, we, we, we now have our first uh, female vice president, our first woman of color uh, vice president, which is for this country, I believe, very historic and something to celebrate. And uh, so, but obviously, there's still more progress to be made. Um, so, uh, it's, you know, obviously, the, the, the fight is not over, of course, when it comes to um, gender and, 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 I guess, race equity and whatnot. Um, but again, thank you so much for sharing that. And it's so great that, you know, not just you, but other women are going out there to start their own businesses. As you mentioned, uh, as a result, uh, they're leaving that traditional uh, nine to five world. And I think that's so important. And I'm all for female empowerment and whatnot, particularly women going into business for themselves. I I have two sisters and uh, they're very entrepreneurial and they put me to shame. So, (laughs) And, uh, but they're very inspiring to me. So, um, uh, you know, obviously I'm, I'm, I'm all for that. And, you know, the thing about women going into business, um, you know, I, I think that women operate at a higher moral plane than, than men do. I think most men would agree with that. So they bring, they raise the ethical bar average uh, up, which is, which is, I think, incredible. And I also think women are better networkers than men. Uh, <laughs> so, I'll, I'll throw that out there as well. And I'm curious, um, what key advice would you give to someone um, who's listening to you and they say to themselves, I want to do what, what Rita's doing and I want to be a business coach. Uh, what advice would you give to those to, to folks like that? Well, there's a saying that I just absolutely love, and it's this. Be you, everyone else is taken. So I think you've got to start from the place of just knowing yourself and being true to you. And what, you know, those, the things that are important to you, what matters to you. The, the idea that um, happiness is, comes in a package of money is, is not the answer. And money is, from a psychological point of view, is just a short-time motivator. So you've really got to know yourself and you've got to know what, what 
brings you joy and happiness and keeps you motivated so that you can be in your own zone of genius. And then the next thing I would say is don't be afraid to be bold. Fortune favors the bold. That's the saying, right? And it's true. Mm-hmm. You, if you play it safe, if you choose safety and security, you always give up power. Always. So once you decide, be bold. Don't choose just the safe path. Know that in this, these are Oprah Winfrey's words, but I love them. Stay up, right? Learn from every mistake. Learn from every failure and turn it into the lesson that just takes you further the next time. Um, I think everyone has extraordinary inside of themselves. That's why that word is in my company name. And that the only thing that limits your extraordinary from shining through is the limitations that you enable. Hmm. So stop limiting yourself. Get out of your own way. Do the work that you need to do on your own mindset, on your own capability, uh, so that you can be as successful as, as you intend to be. And then the last thing I would say is build that network and ask for help. You, you're not the first. You won't be the last. You have so many people around you who can share stories from their journey, share lessons that they've learned. You don't have to learn everything on your own, you can take advantage of and short circuit things by learning from other people around you. And there's so many amazing access points in our current social platforms, right? I mean, there's tons of great articles and podcasts and um, uh, YouTube channels, right? Mm. There's just you, you have access to everybody from the greats like Tony Robbins, right, to the, to the um, newest innovators. You can choose somebody like Elon Musk or you could choose Oprah Winfrey, right? I mean, there's just right. the plethora of, of people and ideas and uh, sources of inspiration seem endless in today's society. So don't Assume you got to figure it all out on your own. Go learn from others. Okay. Wonderful. Um, thank you so much for that. And um, yeah, I think that's incredible advice. You talked about to be you and uh, with the understanding that money is a short-time motivator. I totally believe that to be true. I was reading a, a book that said that when you're coming up with your why, you can't, it can't be money. Because you know, it's money is 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 just not going to really motivate you the way that a true personal why would. And I think Oprah even said it that she does what she does because she loves it, not. And the money she she receives is just a bonus. And uh, so I think there's definitely some truth to that. You talked a lot about being bold, because um, when you when you're not bold, uh, you give up power, right? Um, so, right. Uh, obviously, you want to 
be willing to take risks because they did a study where they found that the um, older people who were close to dying said that they didn't, you know, they regretted the things that, you know, they didn't have the courage to do uh, earlier in their lives and whatnot. And so there is something to that. And you talked about failing up. Um, and, you know, I was actually interviewing one guest who told me there's no such thing as failure, just learning experiences. Uh, totally believe that to be true. And for folks not to limit themselves and to go out and, and request help. Um, there's so many resources available. Um, that's so true. And obviously it's great to learn from the mistakes of others. So it helps you to avoid those mistakes and speeds up one's learning curve. So I think this is great advice. Um, thank you so much. It can much. also give you grace to know that that there's probably not a mistake you can make that hasn't already been made. <laughs> so right. you're never alone. Right? right. You're you're not you're not an idiot. You're you can't it's not that you can't recover mm-hmm. from a mistake. Right. Definitely. And and obviously we, um it's inspiring and so so to speak when you you know, you have these role models who are at the level that you're trying to get to. And as Tony Robbins says, success leaves clues. So when you when you talk to successful people they have you see the breadcrumb trump bread crumb trail that they've they've laid out that that one could follow um so again thank you so much for that and i'm curious what advice would you give to someone an entrepreneur who's looking for a coach who sees the value in it and how should they go about their their search make sure that uh when you that you interview I treat a coach like you're hiring somebody for your business. You know, I certainly feel extremely connected. But when, when you become my client, you become my family. I, like, I care deeply about my clients and their business and how they are doing. I recommend them to other people. I, um, I, we don't just have our scheduled coaching calls. I check in to say, hey, how are things going? Tell me what's going on. I feel very invested in the success of that person. If you're just a transaction on somebody's calendar, Hmm. that feels really insufficient to me, Mm -hmm. right? You know, I want to be your cheerleader. I want to be your celebration partner. I, I, I want to be that person that you call and say, oh my God, I got to tell you what just happened. It was so amazing, right? I mean, that, mm-hmm. I, that's where the energy and the joy um, come for me. Uh, it's never my win. It's great when I can tell stories about the impact that working with me has for a, a business owner, but it's their victory. Mm-hmm. I I I'm just I'm I'm like the the cat as a caddy on the golf course, right? Mm-hmm. I I'm just walking right. along, uh, getting <laughs> to enjoy, you know, and and I'm given some I'm given some advice, you know, and um and I'm there to to be a support partner, but it's not my win, it's not my victory, and um so I you know I just think that that relationship is so important and knowing knowing what you want that relationship to be and mm-hmm. picking somebody that, that 
brings what you need to that relationship in terms of the, you know, again, the relationship, the priority has. What you're doing, and um, and your comfort level. In the in the end, my clients say to me, and I can't say this about other coaches. I, I don't know for sure, but my clients say to me, "You're like my business therapist <laughs> because I am so focused on having them." tell me about what's going on in their business and breaking it down. We spend a lot of time talking about how they are thinking about their business. So, you know, in that way, it does mirror what a lot of therapy looks like. Um, I do have a gift. I have a talent. I have a skill for um, sort of listening and analyzing and understanding the bigger picture and bringing um, in new thoughts and ideas that help move my clients' thinking or generate new ideas with them. But I am not just listening to them and then like a computer spitting back out a solution that they're supposed to, like a recipe card, that they're Mm going to take and do. Um, the solutions are the solutions that they have real ownership in doing, not because I've told them and I'm like the the, the nun teacher, <laughs> you know, who's going to wrap them on the knuckles with the ruler if they don't see what I told them to do. It's, it's not accountability in that way. Um, you know, it's, a, it's accountability in um, caring about the result and caring about the ability of you as a business owner to walk away from this experience, not with just a one-time solution, but with this Mm. reconnection to yourself and your confidence and, again, that genius that you have inside of you as a business owner so that you're tapping into that again. We just lose our way sometimes. Mm. And and uh, you know a coach is somebody that can get you back to your foundation and what you know, and allow you to leverage and use that, or to bring the right people alongside of you that can help push you to the next place. But um, I'm you know be wary. <laughs> if mm. I can tell mm. you anything, be wary of a coach who tells you that they're going to give you a solution to something. Because if that's what they're doing, they're selling a product. They're not coaching. Mm. They, they have a, there are a lot of people that call themselves coaches that actually have developed a sales tool or technique or a marketing tool or technique, and what they're selling is their subject matter expertise. And they're going to show you how to implement that. That's not really coaching. And you can buy that. Buy that all day long if you need that. If you're not great at sales and you want to skill up in sales, by all means, hire somebody to teach you all of their best tips and tricks around sales. But don't pay a crazy price for coaching that is 
really just about buying somebody's product just based on their expertise. Wow. Thank you so much for that great advice. And so you started off by saying that it's sort of like you're, hold, you're holding an audition. You're, you're yeah. doing a job interview. <laughs> and uh, it's so important to shop around, as they say. And, well, I'll tell you another quick story, Luke. Sure. I had, a, I had, a, I had a, a preliminary conversation with somebody who was looking for a coach, and she didn't end up hiring me. And um, she ended up hiring a sales coach. And she said, you know, I just, I really, sales is not my thing. I know I'm not good at it. I, um, I'm going to... I, I'm going to work with this other person so I can build up my sales skills. Mm. If she were working with me, if we would have gone from the initial conversation to the next conversation, my whole coaching with her would have been questioning whether the highest and best use of her skills and genius in her business is sales or is it, operations, and maybe what she needs to do is think about hiring somebody who is a sales expert. So she went to the place of building that skill herself, which is fine. I would have challenged that thinking and asked the question, what would it cost you to buy that in the marketplace, and would you be happier? Would you be more effective in the business if you could just let that go? And I thought always – I've always reflected back on that and thought, you know, it's sort of a shame that um, we didn't at least have one more coaching. You know, she did her, her, her free coaching session with me to sort of interview me and see what I was about and stuff. But, I, you know, I, I still think she, she missed a huge opportunity to change the mm. way she was thinking about her business. Oh, okay. And, and thank you so much for sharing that story. And it, but you, you spoke before about how clients have called you the business therapist, right? And uh, yeah. <laughs> they, uh, you listen to. And them, I'm not a licensed therapist, and I'm, I, 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 yeah. I, I, I am, I am not the, I'm not owning that title as yeah. an official title in any way. Mm-hmm. Okay, I was thinking about titling the this podcast interview the business therapist. I don't, <laughs> uh, and uh, so it was running through my head when you said that. The interesting thing is, you so you said how you, um, you know, you have them on the couch and they're you're giving them good probing questions and you're listening to them, and obviously you know how to take those answers, analyze, and you don't necessarily tell them what to do, but you sort of move them or guide them. And, you know, obviously they have the solutions within them, um, like, you know, Wizard of Oz. Uh, and so you sort of are, you know, just guiding them and whatnot. And it's sort, and that's sort of what you're really very skilled at. And what's interesting is that you, had, you, you said before you had studied industrial psychology, so you know a lot about human nature and, and whatnot. So I'm sure that it helps in, uh, when it comes to analyzing and whatnot. Um, so... And you see your clients as part of your family. You're like a cheerleader for them, which I think is amazing. And uh, and you're very happy when they have success, and you, you love when they call you and, and celebrate these wins with you. Um, but you mentioned being wary 
of quote-unquote business coaches who have something to sell or are providing a solution, a direct solution right away. Uh, Nothing wrong with that, but it's not, it's not quite what, you know, what coaching is supposed to be all about and whatnot. So thank you so much for that heads up. And, um, and, and thank you for the story that you shared. I'm curious, um, obviously I'd be remiss if I didn't mention this and I just thought of this question just now. What, um, Obviously, there's a high failure rate when it comes to businesses. Uh, my understanding is most businesses fail within the first couple of years. I was curious, um, why do you think this is, and how does how do those numbers turn around, so to speak? I, I think that businesses fail um, in the first couple of years because People don't understand how to structure the business in order to take care of their basic needs. So most of us prefer, you know, you were talking about like with coaching, you know, the, not not a huge investment required. It's really easy, easy entry kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But when you start right. a business, um, most people don't really think about what kind of what what kind of income do I have to have? What lifestyle am I maintaining? Um, you know, what about benefits? What about all of these things? And so, um, if you have a little bit of savings or capital that you're going to tap into to get your business started, most people Mm -hmm. just think about the money to buy the equipment, you know, get a new computer, maybe run an office space, um, you know, print business cards, do some marketing or advertising, whatever, you know, like the typical expenses. But they're not thinking about how do I pay myself a salary? What kind of salary do I need to have? Um, and how, how, how quickly do I have to grow this? What kind of sales do I need to fuel that? And how, how do I cover this? So I think a lot of people don't do the, um, the small business associations kind of business startup programs that are for free right. that help you think through all of those things. And they just jump in and they think, oh, it doesn't too much to get this started. I'll just jump in and do this business. But then they're working really hard and they're paying themselves next to nothing. And there's just a real question about how long can you go like this? So um, that when when the barrier to entry is low, people tend to to just jump in, right, without – thinking things through. Now, of course, a lot of business failures are restaurants and storefronts and things like that. And then you get into a lot of other issues about location. And um, but, but you still have some of the same basic things around, you know, did you do your market research? Did you, you know, um, did you really study the competition? Did you know how you were going to differentiate? Did you think about, like, with the idea of networking, like, who who are the influencers 
said in in my area that if I'm in conversation with them, if they know about it, they're going to spread the word. They're going to help me out. You know, there's right. all of those little things that you that you have to 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 nuance and do. And once your business is up and running, you are so consumed with just trying to make the donut that you don't have time to elevate and think about those bigger things. So most people just jump in too quick. They haven't laid a good foundation. They haven't thought through it um, clearly. And um, it always seems like we don't have time to do the pre-work <laughs> that might have right. helped us get a better footing, right? Um, but we don't – but the truth is because we didn't do some of those incubator things to really flesh out our ideas early and we jumped in. Now we're in the middle of the lake paddling and we don't have time to build a canoe. <laughs> Right. We're just treading water in the middle of the lake, and we don't have the materials that we need to build a canoe anymore. So um, now we're just stuck um, swimming instead of having a canoe that we could be floating on top of the lake in. It's, it's a simple analogy, but you know that's why I think businesses fail. And um, I think if you're going to start a business, you really need do the work before you make the leap if you don't have deep pockets. And you've got to be prepared to maybe take out a loan. A lot of business, a lot of businesses, owners will tell you that they did not pay themselves a salary until year two or three. Right. And that's how they made it through that hard time. It takes that long. Are you prepared for that? Have you thought about that? Do you have a contingency? Does that work for you? Right. And if it doesn't, then, you know, you might need a business loan. You you know, some people have that money saved away and and, and can do that. Some people um, have friends with pockets that will be silent investors that will help get them started, friends or family. But if you don't have those things, you are at a real disadvantage to get past right. that point. Wow. Thank you so much for that uh, incredible answer. Uh, Essentially, I guess what it boils down to before someone starts a business, they have to sort of do their homework. They have to sort of plan on how how do they get paid, how much money they need to survive. They have to figure out how they're going to be known, uh, how are they going to market, who the influencers are and whatnot. And they don't want to be stuck in the middle of the ocean or middle of the river without, uh, you know, (laughs) without the, the equipment they need without the paddle and whatnot. So I think that's amazing advice. And uh, you know, obviously folks, when they start a business, they have to do that homework. They also have to look into perhaps getting a, a business loan, um, so to speak. And uh, and that's you know critical. They have to figure out where will the money come from. It's not a loan from a, you know, a bank or whatnot, maybe someone they know. Uh, so thank you so much for that advice. I, I'm curious, um, you mentioned a lot of um, important life lessons like failing up and whatnot and being bold. 
and going out there and requesting help when you need it. Um, in addition to, to that, um, what other life lessons have you learned yourself or from others uh, that you'd like to share with us? And, and, and it, just, it doesn't have to be for entrepreneurs. It could be for everyone. I think the most important lesson that that I've had to, that, like the reframing I've had to do in my own head is that asking for help is not a weakness. It's actually a strength. And um, we, there's so many signs and signals that we are, are taught at a, at a very young age um, that says that it's okay to ask for help. But really getting past it's just okay to see it as strength. And uh, and not a weakness. That that is a is a really important thing. Mm-hmm. I, there's another um, idea that was most eloquently expressed in Oprah Winfrey's uh, 2000 uh, I think 2020 book, The Path Made Clear. I think it came out in 2020. If not 2019, is the idea that um, the opposite of less is not more. It's enough. There's so much out there, more and more and more and more. Get, you, know, you know, you should be making six figures. You could be making seven figures. You should have, you know, your client book completely full, whatever it should be, more and more and more and more. And if you're not achieving more, then you must be achieving less. But this idea that, that the opposite of less doesn't have to be more, that it can be enough, um, is a really powerful idea. And um, I am so attracted to that idea that I actually attract a lot of clients as, who happen to be women who say to me, I, I just... I've, I've grown this business this far. I've got this little bit of distance left to go, but I'm not looking to be any bigger than that. I just want to have this nice business that's this size that generates this kind of income for me that I can enjoy running. If it gets any bigger than that, it's not going to be fun anymore. That, so that whole idea that we don't have to chase more all the time, that we have the right to define enough, and that's not settling for less, is such a powerful idea that um, business owners need to know and understand and feel okay to tap into. Wow. And so thank you so much for that incredible advice. You, You talked a lot again about whole idea in the beginning of requesting help. There's nothing wrong with it. It's, it shouldn't be seen as a weakness. And and I can tell you're an Oprah fan, just like I am. I love Oprah. Okay. <laughs> One of my heroes. And <laughs> I uh, grew up watching her show. I love Oprah Winfrey. And she she talked about um, the, the whole idea that the opposite of less is enough. And I love that a lot. I love that so much. Um, you know, I think more and more people need to understand that. And I think the more people go for more and more, it tends to lead to heightened levels of stress and anxiety and whatnot. And sometimes when you, when you feel that you've, you have enough, 
Um, it can heighten your level of gratitude and whatnot. Um, and you, you get to appreciate what you have and what you have accomplished so far as well. So um, I love that, uh, that whole the opposite of less is enough. Totally agree with that. And thank you so much uh, for these lessons that you've shared. I'm curious, uh, what book recommendations do you have for folks? Um, I, I'll, I, I'll be honest. I've been, um, I do read a business about a business book a quarter, but I've been so much more into podcasts and articles and and other things right now. I do. I, I I'm a huge fan of Simon Sinek. He has great media channels with all kinds of of um, messaging that covers lots of different areas that he has encapsulated into the book. But um, I find the depth that you get when you dial in and, and see him give give a talk or um, do his little LinkedIn chat or whatever. I, I there's there's just an ability to connect at a deeper level that I really appreciate over just reading the book. Um, so I, I follow Simon Sinek quite a bit. I, I like you, Oprah, I'm always tuned in to what she's <laughs> doing, what she has to say. There are several amazing women in the DEI space on LinkedIn that have newsletters and uh, podcasts and stuff that are continuing to graciously educate our society on the experience of of the BIPOC uh, you know population, and mm-hmm. uh, I try to tune in and read and continue to elevate my game of being a better ally and and partner. In that way, so I, you know, I, I don't have a great answer on a book or an author because I've just not been where my energy for for reading and self education has been recently. Okay, no problem. But you said that you love you obviously you, uh, you, you like podcasts, which is great. I think that's another great way to learn and whatnot. Um, some people love podcasts. Some people like audiobooks too. Um, so, but you did mention uh, Simon Sinek. I've heard so many great things about him, uh, and he's someone I want to check out more. You said that he's very active um, on the, I guess, the various social media uh, channels. So definitely yeah. want to look into him more. You talked about Oprah again, which I think she's amazing. And you talked about women who are doing podcasts with DNI. Was did you did you say DNI? Um, yeah, the diversity, equity, and inclusion space. Oh, okay. DEI. Diverse DEI. Excuse me. Sorry about that. And yeah, I'm diversity, equity, and inclusion. Wonderful. I'm definitely going to check that out as well. So thank you so much for that. And uh, I'm curious. Uh, obviously, I know you're quite busy and whatnot. Would you ever consider writing a book yourself? You know, I actually have um, started conversations with a publisher out of Cincinnati. Um, he reached out to me. Um, he's uh, he's got a podcast show, which um, eventually I think I'm going to guest on his 
his show, um, but we haven't we haven't secured anything definite yet. We got the name of the show and everything. We had such a fun time talking. Uh, he was looking to, to do some anthologies in the entrepreneurship space, and I said, well, I, I could definitely take on writing a chapter in a book. I am not ready to commit the mind space required to write an entire book. Although I do blog every week on my website, and he said you probably have a book in your blog, and I said you're you're probably right <laughs> because <laughs> I do try to give you know really meaningful content. Right now, um, I am blogging based on some recent experience that I've had working with with frontline workers around emotional exhaustion. And how do you deal with that in the workplace? How does that show up? Um, what, what do you do once you recognize it? So um, I'm, I'm in uh, blog number three coming out tomorrow about uh, dealing with emotional fatigue. So I, I try to pick topics that are relevant conversations that I'm having with my clients and just giving more insight sharing with people. And what I've actually been picking around, uh, Luke, more so than writing a book, is um, doing some live coaching, mm. like on a YouTube channel or something, where I you know, invite business owners to join me and we just talk about what's going on in their business and having people have an opportunity to see what coaching is really about. Uh, I have a good friend who is currently working in Europe before she took her current job in Europe. We were talking about trying to launch a a radio call-in show here in Louisville for for Mm. business coaching. Um, And I have another connection through LinkedIn who is, uh, a marketing kind of Google Analytics type person, and mm-hmm. he's got some great stuff out on YouTube where he's actually consulting with a customer about their Google Analytics, but sort of showing you that under the hood, kind of mm-hmm. what they're paying attention to, what the conversation is about, how they're making decisions about keywords and those kinds of things. And I thought that's really cool. Maybe I need to do the the business coaching version of that. So that's the idea that I'm sparked about the most right now is this idea of um, being able to give to the community by actually giving away some coaching time, but also giving people more insight into what coaching can really produce and and why there's so much value in the experience. That's amazing. And, just so you, so know, you could be my first guest. We could we could do yeah. we could do something. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to. Thank you so much for that invitation, and I'd love to be on. And so, it's interesting. Obviously, uh, as far as writing a book, um, you know, if you ever do do it, uh, I would be the first person online to buy it. Just so you know, uh, so you have at least one customer. <laughs> okay. And Thank you. It seems like everybody is writing a book. Golly, yeah. everybody I talk to is is writing a book right now. It's kind of crazy. And oh, the, yeah. you know, the most interesting thing is I really fought myself for years 
on the idea of blogging. I, I just kept telling myself, nobody wants to hear what you have to say. You don't, you don't have that much to say. And here I am three years later every week turning on a blog. And there are times when I, it's harder than others, but there are times when I am just on a roll. Like it's, it's so easy and freeing to write the blog. And, uh, and I hear from my tribe, the, you know, the people I'm connected with on a regular basis, they, they're grateful. In fact, I launched an emailing list for the first time ever, another thing I've been finding, but I finally launched an email list to receive the blog in your email each week because people were tired of having to dig the, through the algorithm to try to find it yeah. on LinkedIn or Facebook. <laughs> so they're just like, can you just send it to me? <laughs> like I love reading it every week, but I just, you know, I forget. Then I forget to go find it, and then I can't find it. And um so you can uh, you can go to igniteextraordinary.com and you'll get a little opt-in pop-up and that's my email list. And occasionally, very occasionally, I send an extra email to talk about something I've got going on that I think my tribe might be interested in. But for the most part, it's once a week in your inbox, you just get that uh, that blog of the week. I try to keep it simple and not spammy. Okay, great. And you said before how you, you might have been skeptical about blogging in the beginning because you didn't know who would want to hear you your opinion. Well, I can tell you that, that I would love to hear it. And so that was – obviously that was um, – you, you, I think you're, you might have been a little wrong about that. And I think a lot of people would love to hear your opinions on things. So – um, I'm sure you don't feel that way. I now, didn't but. really thought I would run out of ideas. I thought, you know, I could write one or two things. Like I just kept thinking, what would I write about? I mean, I just don't feel like I have that much to say. But right. and, you know, obviously, I always have too much to say. And three years later, I still have more to say. <laughs> so, yeah. Yes. I just wasn't being honest with myself, but you know. All right. Well, uh, and also, I'm a. I do like. I'm a big fan of the whole email, email marketing, you know, having the list and sending it out to people. One of the best ways to stay top of mind is sending emails out to folks and whatnot. Um, so I'm, I'm all for that. And so that's great that you're, you're doing that. And when you have a blog, it helps you to create the content to send to folks, uh, obviously. So, uh, and that's what I do. I have my own email list um, with the podcast and whatnot. And you said before that you're you're doing you're gonna be doing live coaching, um, which I think is amazing. Yeah, well, it's, it's um, an idea. I'm not sure when I'm gonna launch it, but I'm now that I've said it out loud. See, this is the power. This is the power of talking out loud. Well, if you say it out loud, you put it out there. Now you got to do something with it. So, right. Um, so it's out there now. I'm gonna have to get moving on it. Yeah. That's. And um, yeah, when you put it out there, now you ha- you have to do it, right? <laughs> so I right, totally right. for that. And uh, it, uh, my next question was going to be whether you want to start your own podcast, right? And I actually I do yeah. the radio show that I did last year. Um, we moved away from the radio format, and we are launching next month as a podcast. So it's a it's sort of a group production um, 
the the primary contributor, Todd Metter, is um, a financial planner, and the focus of the podcast is on um, sort of thinking about all of the financial levers in your mm-hmm. life and how to maximize those, um, whether that's you know real estate or portfolio or for business owners. You know, your business is a huge asset, a really important asset in your business. And so we talk about business coaching from the perspective of really taking care of that valuable piece of of your financial portfolio. And so we'll be launching in May. I'm going to, I'm scheduled right now to do three appearances on that podcast, and it's called A Nickel and a Plan. Wow. Definitely want to check that out when it comes out. Definitely keep me posted. All right. Um, I will do that. Yes, because um, you may be familiar with a gentleman named Seth Godin. Uh, He's bald he wears glasses. He wrote a book called The Purple Cow. He's like a marketing guru. He he says that everyone should have a podcast and that podcasting is the new blogging. So something to consider for for everyone. Um, And so (laughs) I totally – agree with that and and again thank you so much for that uh, i'm curious now obviously this has been a, an enlightening inspiring and educational conversation um and i'm sure the audience feels the same way can you go ahead and describe all the ways that people can get in touch with you if they want to use or if they know someone who wants to use your services or to put a dynamic center of influence in their network absolutely um so I am on Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn with a site for my business. The handle is at Ignite Extraordinary for all three of those. So it's very easy to find me that way. On LinkedIn, my personal profile is Rita Ernst Business Goals Coach. And um, then my website is igniteextraordinary.com. Okay. All right. So it, um, they could find you either on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, or on the website, igniteyourextraordinary.com. Amazing. Not Thank your, you so just Ignite Extraordinary. So I just, I just okay. I took the your out of all of those, just shortened it, everything down to Ignite Extraordinary to keep it a little shorter, simpler concise. Got it. Thank you so much for that. All the information you provided will be available in the episode description area so people can see it and read it there. All right. So thank you so much for that. And again, um, thank you so much for being a guest. Um, you know, very lucky to have you. This has been a great conversation. And uh, thank you to the audience. I'm going to be seeing you guys in the next episode. Is there any um, last word or final send off you want to give us or? I just want to say thank you, Luke. It is a very generous conversation today. So I appreciate you introducing me to your audience. And uh, the last thing I would say to people is that uh, business coaching is not exclusive to the rich and the famous. So if, if you have real change you want to make in your business and you see how a coach could get you there faster, but you're not sure 
about making that investment, let's talk because I work really hard to keep my prices as affordable as possible for the small business owner, and I would love to help you out. Wonderful. Thank you so much for that. And, again, thank you to the audience. I'll be seeing you guys in the next episode. Everyone take care and have a wonderful, blessed day. Thank you. Hey, guys, before you go, just real quick, um, if you can just do me a favor, if you can head over uh, to the uh, Apple Podcasts app, and if you're not there already, and if you can leave me a five-star review, that would be great. Um, if you love the show, if you can just go ahead and do that, and that will help uh, to spread the word about the show, and other people can enjoy the show as much as you do. And so if you can do that, that would mean the world to me. And also, if you want to email me uh, with any feedback or any praise or support, um, please feel free to go ahead and do that. And you can also email me to request to be put on our email list. Uh, so. Uh, we can uh, send you out emails uh, when new episodes come out. So uh, thank you very much for being a fan of the show. Thank you for listening to the show and supporting the show. So if you can do that, go out and give us a a five-star review on the Apple Podcast uh, app. That would be great. And if you can email us so we can put you on the email list and email us with feedback and praise, that would be amazing. Uh, Thank you so much, and I'll see you guys in the next episode. Take care. Bye-bye.